0: everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism episode 31. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. I hope you guys enjoyed my bonus episode yesterday and in case you missed me, I'm back. <laughs> Here I am with uh, the the planned episode for this week and it's a really good one. I am talking with a BCBA. Her name is Anissa and she is incredible. We get all into kind of the nitty gritty of everything that goes into ABA. And it is wonderful to hear from an expert, all the sort of ins and outs. And I I talk about ABA all the time on this podcast and I talk about other guests on the podcast because I feel so strongly about it. So I I was really glad to have somebody on who could explain it in probably a more precise (laughs) way than I have been able to. And she does. She does a really fabulous job of just explaining, like, the principles of ABA and why it is so successful and why it's so wonderful. So, especially for the people listening who, you know, are maybe just starting out in this journey, not as familiar with ABA, have maybe heard about it. This is a really great episode for you to listen to, and I'm really excited to have Anissa on. We also talk about a very cool product that she has created that uses principles of ABA to help with picky eating, which is something that I think many of us <laughs> know the struggles of. I definitely, definitely do with Logan. He's a picky eater. So we get into all of that. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Anissa. Hello, Anissa. Hi, Megan. Hi, welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. Thank you so much. Um, Okay. So Anissa and I had connected on Instagram and she has a very unique product that we will be talking about. Um, she is also a, a BCBA. So I'm really excited to have her on because I have had a BCBA on in the past. Uh, I can't remember what number episode it was, but Dana, who was talking about her her brother who was on the spectrum, she was a BCBA and we chatted about it a little bit, but I'm really excited to have Anisa on because she is obviously an expert <laughs> with ABA therapy and You guys know if you've been listening how much I am always singing the praises of ABA, but I'm excited to hear from someone who probably can speak on it a little more knowledgeably (laughs) than I do. (laughs) Um, So if you will kind of take us back to like what led you to the field and how you kind of got into all this, that would be awesome. Yes, of
1: course. So um, as Megan said, I am a BCBA and – Actually, what kind of guided me to where I am today um, was not my initial plan. So I actually went to school. I thought I was going to be an elementary school teacher. Uh, I went into my master's program thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, teach first grade. That's what I did my student teaching experience in. And it was, I was at the end of my program. And I was like, this isn't what I want to do. I'm like, oh my gosh, should I just waste an entire graduate degree and now I don't know what I want to do. actually I did know what I wanted to do. There was a child in the corner. He was in um special education and I wanted to work with him. There was an entire classroom full of kids where they were meeting their guys, you know, they were meeting their goals but it was little Jamal in the corner. And I was like, I want to work with him. I want to help him meet his milestones. Mm -hmm. And I kind of started freaking out. I'm like, Oh, what am I doing? What am I (laughs) doing? And so, you know, I finished, you know, I obviously finished my degree and then um, I kind of went into soul searching and I found my first job and it was not in an elementary school. I mean, it it wasn't a a classroom. I I did. I worked in a sensory room actually. And oh. I had my master's degree making 947 an hour, but I didn't care because it was more in the direction that I wanted to be in.
0: Okay. And
1: it was that principle where he was like, you really need to work with children with autism. And I was like, you're right. Like I, I want to go in this direction. So then I um, started doing developmental therapy and then um, uh, an autism center popped up in my community and mm-hmm. It was ABA. And I was like, I don't even know what ABA is. Yeah. But I, How I, I, long I, ago was this?
0: Um, this was in 09. Okay. So this is like 10 years ago. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: They so, were like on top of it. I mean, to have a, an autism center 10 years ago, I feel like they're popping up now. Yes. But like that is, um, that's pretty incredible.
1: Yes. And so it was at that moment where I was like, it's an autism center. This is where I want to work. I want to work with individuals. Um, on the spectrum, and I literally had to Google what ABA stood for. But I knew (laughs) I wanted to work with children on the autism spectrum. Yeah. And so I I Googled it, and I went in for the interview, and they're like, great, you already have your master's, and, you know, you've worked with um, children. You know, I was a developmental therapist, so I've worked with children um, with disabilities, and they're like, you're hired, and you can continue to (laughs) – Go back and do the ver- verified course sequence. You could become a BCBA. And I was like, oh, first of all, I, I just learned what ABA was, but whatever, <laughs> that's fine. I just want to work with children with autism. And I fell in love with the science of ABA. I immediately saw how impactful this science was, how effective it was. Within the first couple of weeks, I was seeing what a change it could do for these children. It was working with socially significant behaviors. These children were coming in with limited language. And within a matter of weeks, they were provided functional language. And their behaviors were greatly decreased. And I was sold. I was like, wow, this is becoming my passion.
0: Okay. So you knew then that you were on the right path and you had like found your passion.
1: Yes. And then I quickly went back to school and I did the course sequence to become a BCBA. And then from there, it just kind of took off.
0: That's amazing. Oh yeah. my God. So then like you, when you first started, I'm assuming, cause this is something that I had to learn also. like, so the BCBA, which is a, a board certified behavior analysis, they are the person who like writes the plans and then carries them forward. And then like, we call, we call them care team members. I don't know if there's like different, you know names in different places yeah were you working like as an like you were under a BCA at this time, is what I'm assuming. Yes, so
1: I was hired on as a behavior therapist, and Got then um, then before I actually became a BCBA, um, I kind of became a clinical coordinator. So essentially, okay. I and a BCBA oversaw what I did, but I did the work of a BCBA. So I kind of wrote the programs, I did a lot of the assessments, and I oversaw a team of therapists. But then okay. once I became a BCBA, then I still kind of did the same work, but, um, now I didn't have to have a BCBA overseeing me, but I still kind of managed those therapists and ensured that beaver plans were being carried out, still conducting those assessments Mm -hmm. and, um, ensuring that we were implementing those effective treatments.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Something that was surprising to me, like when we first started with the process was that I I thought Logan would have like one therapist and we would, you know, just move forward with this this one therapist but like there's so many people involved (laughs) so
1: many and there and that's an important component to this because you don't want them to just have the same therapist for the duration of their services because you need the the skills that they're learning to generalize because if you just let's say you're learning how to wash hands well, what if they only know how to wash hands with that one therapist? Well, that's not very functional because they need to learn how to wash hands with grandma, with you, in at McDonald's, if yes. that's where, you know. So we had AM therapists, PM therapists. Every three to six months, you're then switching those therapists. And mm-hmm. so it's so important to be able to generalize those skills in any environment with any person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're constantly switching it up.
0: That is a, a really good good thing to talk about because i feel like that word generalization comes up so much so <laughs> much and it's with, with so ABA. important yes it's so so important because like you said i mean it's i feel like so much of aba is like it It can seem really um complicated and and when you look at like the the data and and all that like there's so much that goes into it but like to me at the core of it like it really is like taking things very basic, at least how that's how it is with my son. And like, like you said, something like hand washing, like that may not seem like a difficult skill for a lot of people. But I mean, if you have a child in the spectrum, or if, you know, you are on the spectrum yourself, there's so many components that go so into many. hand washing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Those little, like, laminated sheet for Logan that we don't have anymore, but it was like all the steps, and it's like turn water on, wet hands, put soap on hands rinse you know what I mean like there's there like the steps to hand washing there's probably like 10 steps honestly when it gets down to like going through the whole thing and like you said it's it's going to be different than everywhere you go to do that so it's like when he's washing his hands at home that looks completely different than like you said we go to you know McDonald's or something and it's like oh well they have a different soap dispenser but those steps are going to be the same every time so it's like that that generalization piece is so important because it's it's not just learning in one environment, it's really preparing them for all environments.
1: And making sure that they are successful. And yeah. that's something that we always have to plan for. Like I had a client once where we are potty training him yes. and he was doing so well at the center, but then mom came in and she was like, he won't pee anywhere else. He won't pee at yeah. home. He won't pee when we go to the mall. And we were like, Oh man, like we mm-hmm. are failing at some of this generalization here mm-hmm. because we, there was a breakdown in that stimulus generalization, meaning yeah, he'll pee here in this one specific bathroom but he's not going anywhere else. So that's called Mm -hmm. stimulation. Like there was a breakdown there. So then we started, okay, let's go to the bathroom in this bathroom in the center. And then we're going to go to this one. Well, what does it mean for him to try and go to the restroom at this one? Because it wasn't functional there. Like Mm -hmm. we needed to teach him how to do it at these different locations, because what good is it if he can only go to the bathroom in this one location with this one therapist. And Um, so that is why I love this field as well, because first of all, every day was different. You never knew what you were going to get and we were truly teaching these these kiddos behaviors and strategies and life skills that they are going to be able to use in everyday life
0: yes I think that's actually another important thing to touch on too is that like when you say you know ABA which is applied behavior analysis that's I think for people who are not as familiar with the term it sounds like you're working on behaviors in terms of like difficult behaviors which i mean obviously some days there were yeah but yeah like explain it just like like i was saying like, like kind of the basics of like what aba is
1: so essentially it's working on behaviors that are socially significant so mm-hmm. that is where we know okay okay are we a are we modifying this behavior that is going to better this individual's life? So it may be reducing the challenging behavior, but it also may be teaching this individual a life skill. Mm-hmm. So potty training, maybe washing their hands. It might be making the bed. It might be I had a lot of clients who just tolerating a haircut. Um, And so it just truly depends on this individual coming in. What behaviors do we need to work on for this individual? We are not a one size fits all model. So it's Mm -hmm. so dependent on this one individual. Mm -hmm. So is it socially significant for him? Meaning is it going to benefit this individual's life? Then yes, let's, let's work on this behavior for them. And behavior is behavior. So it doesn't matter if you have autism. It doesn't matter if you have, I mean, it's, it's behavior. So everyone behaves in some way. Like I have behaviors that I need to work on. I'm sure you do. I mean, everyone does. (laughs) Right. right? Right. Um, And so you can implement these ABA strategies just to better your own life.
0: I'm so glad that you explained that so concisely like that because I feel like I'm always trying to explain to people what ABA is and it because it encompasses so much sometimes it can seem like I, at least I always feel like I'm like am I making any sense when I'm saying this? but like <laughs> yeah. you just said behavior is behavior and and really when you think about it like I remember when they first came in and I was talking to them about starting ABA like what just with like the coordinator and I was like well Logan doesn't really have like behavior issues, because thankfully that's not something that we really deal with. And, you know, I'm just hearing ABA applied behavior analysis and I'm like, is this even right for us? And the coordinator had said to me, she's like, when you break it down, everything is a behavior. Yes. And that's how we are looking at it. And we, like you said, like making the bed, like things that, you know, really come naturally to, to a lot of neurotypical people. And it's like, you just, you kind of see someone doing it, you pick it up. These are things that like we, like I was saying before, like we really have to go like to basics and like break it all down. And when you do that, then it's like, you're, you're able to, to teach those behaviors in a way that's functional for that person.
1: And reinforcing. That's Mm -hmm. another thing. What I love about ABA is that you're breaking it down into ways that's not aversive, but that they want to meet those goals. And I, I mean, I implement ABA strategies with my own children. I have two neurotypical children but Mm -hmm. yeah like we're gonna they're still kids (laughs) they're still kids and we're working on goals but in a way that they like want to reach them they're excited about it and Mm -hmm. yeah like you want to work for a sticker or do you want to work for some sort of token like let's do this and it's fun for them and they want to work towards those goals because it's motivating to them and so like why not implement ABA strategies because We're doing it in a reinforcing environment and we're manipulating the environment so that it's not aversive to them. Um, And that's hmm. essentially using ABA principles.
0: Yes. I think that is like, I, everything you're saying makes so much sense, but I think that that it's, it's really important to talk about that because I mean, I, I know, you know, but sometimes ABA does get kind of a bad rap Yes, and now I'm always like, no, that's not true. Yeah. (laughs) I hear people saying things and it, It honestly, like, it makes me sad because I'm like, this is such an amazing resource for these kids and their families. And it's doing so much good. Um, What do you think about, like, the negative, you know, feedback that ABA gets?
1: Well, I do think that earlier on there were... Um, some ABA principles being implemented more from a punishment procedure. And since then, our ethics codes have been heavily implemented. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that negative stigma has kind of stemmed from that. But that is, I mean, years and years and years ago. But I think now we are individuals in the field are trying to to disseminate um, what we do now in our positive, in our reinforcement procedures that we implement. And Mm -hmm. so it's really just trying to put the word out that what we are doing is amazing. And we are implementing these amazing strategies, Mm -hmm. game changing procedures that we're doing, changing the lives of these individuals. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, So really just trying to do like what you're doing and, you know, putting information out there Mm -hmm. um and really just trying to get just doing what we're doing here yeah Yeah,
0: totally no I think that that component is so important because I mean I've I've said this before on the podcast but before we started ABA it scared me because I had I had talked to some other people who had tried it and I, I do think that like it's maybe ABA is not right for everybody. And that's totally fine. Like you said, there's probably principles that could help everybody, but you know, there, there are people on the spectrum who ABA maybe isn't appropriate for them. And for those people, like I, I totally get it. You know, there's, there's so many other therapies and resources that might work better, but for the ones that it does really help, like, like for my son, like when you said it, it's, it's game changer. That's a hundred percent what it was for us. Like we, we saw, even though, I mean, like, it wasn't like it was like from the very beginning, we saw this huge difference, but we saw that it was like making sense for him. And we were like, okay, like, I like I would always use the term his wheels are turning. And there's sometimes where I would be like, I don't feel like his wheels are turning. And it was like with ABA, I just felt like even if he wasn't getting to his goals immediately, I was like, his wheels are turning and he's like understanding what we're trying to get him to do. And that alone was such huge progress. Right. Yes. And then on top of it, like seeing the way that he interacted with his therapist and the way that they interacted with him, like he, so for him, like, cause like you said, reinforcers, he is very, well, he loves candy. I talk about this all the time, but he's like, who doesn't. (laughs) um, So for him now we're using fruit rolls, but we always would use like fruit snacks. Like, and they would break it into like the tiniest little piece, but it was like, that's the joke (laughs) in ABA. Like, you know, you're
1: a BCBA. If you can if you can cut a fruit snack into eights. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: They would give him like, the, like they would make an entire like one package of fruit snacks would last us like three days. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you give him like the littlest piece, but it's, it's, it's little like, ninja ch- trick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, it's still like, it's still motivating for him to know like, okay, you know, once I finish this program, I'm going to get that fruit snack, or I'm going to get that little bit of fruit roll up. And it's like those, those things for him, like he just thinks like, okay, we're just, you know, we're, we're playing these games, doing this stuff. And then I get my, my candy. (laughs) Yes. So it's like, I think that people do sometimes have this, this, um, interpretation of ABA that it's like, you know, you're you're forcing these kids to work and it's it's so awful and they're they're not having any fun. But it's like that It's the opposite. Yeah, it could not be further from the truth.
1: They are so motivated. All we do is fun. We're looking for their motivation. We're looking for the MO. Like, you wanna work in the motor room today? Like you wanna work on a beanbag? I'm following you. Like yeah. We're exactly. following your, where your fun is. This is where we're going to work today. And and I do think that is a major misconception of ABA. And I just wish someone could be a fly on the wall. Those individuals who maybe have that misconception and be like, just spend a day with us. And you're going to see how yeah. much fun these kids have and how much they are able to learn um, with
0: these principles.
1: And, and you know, they're
0: still able to be themselves. Yes. There's a lot of times where people will say to me like, oh, well, are they just trying to teach him not to stim? And I'm like, no, he is free to stim. Unless it's like a, a like a Unless... behavior that's you know, exactly. harmful to him, which thankfully he doesn't have any of those, but I mean, he flaps, he spins, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, those are not things that we are, we're taking away from exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, so I'm a faculty member at Capella University as well. And that is something I talked to my students about and they were like, well, You know, when we talk about prioritizing behaviors and they're like, well, what about stemming behaviors? And I was like, okay, let me ask you this. Is it by any means hindering them? Mm -hmm. Is it interfering with learning? Is it, is it affecting their students or whatever? And they're like, no, I'm like, then I don't care. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. we need to prioritize these problem behaviors. And Mm -hmm. that is where you would maybe need to intervene Mm -hmm. and, you know, hitting behaviors. yes. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Self-injurious behaviors, eloping, because obviously eloping behaviors, that could be very much, that's very dangerous because if they elope into a parking lot, obviously Mm -hmm. those are behaviors that you need to prioritize. But if they're, you know, stimming, flapping, and it's not necessarily something of priority, then okay, we can let that go. You know, or if they're like tapping their legs because, but it's not necessarily something to be concerned about then mm-hmm. you know maybe way way down the road but not mm-hmm. necessarily anything that we need to address right now
0: they're like oh okay and then you move on yeah it's um it's so funny because I feel like we all have like a certain yes like stim sort of oh, behavior it's I'm like, such a hair twirler ap- that is oh. my stem like when I was younger when I was younger I was a tw- hair twirler I do this thing with my nails where I don't like I don't like pick them necessarily and a lot of people do that but I kind of will like like push the sides back. And I've done this since I was a little kid and it was like just something that like, you know, kind of kept me busy. Mm-hmm. And Now I think so differently about all these behaviors. Like you said, like someone like tapping their leg, it always would drive me crazy when, you know, there's like those leg shakers and it's like, they just yes. can't. And they're like, it's, it's like, they can't help themselves. And I used to think like, oh my God, why is that person like shaking their leg like that? But now I'm like, okay, neurotypical autism, whatever. Like we all have these little behaviors that yeah. are like, natural to us and like in some ways comforting to us and yeah in in terms of ABA it's like like you said if it's not harmful to them if it's not dangerous then it's like go for it like, yeah
1: <laughs> if that's gonna like calm you or yes be mm-hmm. your way of self-managing yourself yeah go, go for it you know sure.
0: it just yeah so um, Well, I'm so excited that we were able to kind of like talk more in depth about ABA and just clarify a few points. So what I really want to talk about, though, is you have, I don't, I want to let you say it because I don't want to like butcher it, but you have this amazing, amazing product. Yes. (laughs)
1: That's all
0: yours. So tell us about that.
1: Okay. So I invented a product called Ate the Plate. And essentially it is a spinning plate to help increase food selectivity. Um, and it kind of came to fruition because, well, obviously I, I, worked clinically, um, as a BCBA. And I felt like there was always a way that we could do this, do food programs, run them more efficiently. So there's one client in particular, um, He would, his food repertoire consisted of bacon and dum-dum suckers. And I was like, okay, so obviously we needed to expand this and we would kind of use escape extinction, essentially meaning, okay, you have to sit at this table until you eat this food, Mm -hmm. which as an ethical behavior analyst that, I mean, there's research that supports this. This is a lot of practitioners run this program, but we needed to expand this. Obviously the child can't live off of bacon and suckers Mm -hmm. and we did it he expanded his food repertoire, but as a practitioner, I was like, gosh, there's got to be a better way. Mm -hmm. And I carried on. And then, um, this was in Indiana and then my husband and I moved out to California for his job. Um, and during this transition, I needed to find something else. So then I moved into academia. So as I mentioned, I, I work at Capella university and I was teaching a class actually called, um, ABA treatment of autism. Mm -hmm. And during this class, I um, was teaching different research on food refusal and what that supports. And then even through that, I was like, okay, like here's an option. Here's another option. Uh, One of them was actually bite for bite. So first you eat your preferred, then you eat, or sorry, first you eat your non-preferred, then you get your preferred food, Mm -hmm. pretty much pre mac principle. And then um, literally that night, I then come home and I have dinner with my family and my daughter, six-year-old, neurotypical. Um, wasn't eating her meal, and mm-hmm. I was like, huh, "Fantastic! <laughs> like I'm an expert in the field; I should know how to get my children to eat." She wasn't <laughs> eating, and I was like, "Oh, great!" Uh, but then I also realized there was a disconnect from research to what we are implementing at home, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like shuffling the place, And I was like, there has got to be a better way to do this. So thankfully, my husband is an engineer and an inventor. He's got several patents. He's a brilliant mind. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we're doing something about this. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be an easier way to implement this. And i always said, too, once I became a parent, I also became a better BCBA because mm-hmm. I have more empathy for what I'm telling them because mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way to do this at home. Like, I want to eat my meal no one can have this many plates out at an actual dinner. (laughs) So um, during that meal, he came up with a concept. And then within a week, we actually had a working prototype, we 3d printed it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So essentially, it's a it's there's eight compartments Mm -hmm. in a lid and the plate spins. So Mm -hmm. you can have one triangle available to the child at once. And so you would then put like a small piece of broccoli and then you would spin mm-hmm. the plate and then another triangle becomes available and it would be a preferred food so whatever the child is motivated for mm-hmm. and so it might be an m&m my child loves seaweed watermelon like whatever sounds amazing well, <laughs> they like will do anything seaweed. for seaweed like it's crazy i don't know
0: that's incredible uh-huh
1: yeah. Um, and so it's kind of developed from there and, um, we're on Amazon on our website mm-hmm. and we have had some amazing testimonies come in from children. Um, one mama, she messaged us. She was like, my kid has tried more foods in one week than three years combined. Oh um, God. we had another one where she was like, uh, my son just ate a peanut butter and jelly for the first time in his life. And then the next day she was like, now he tried mac and cheese. Like I'm in tears. And I was like, I am too. Yeah. So it's been like, we've had some amazing testimonies come rolling in, but essentially you're just working off the motivation of the child. You're gamifying Mm -hmm. mealtime because now they have a fun spinning plate Mm -hmm. and the plate itself kind of turns into a conditioned reinforcer, meaning like the plate is what's reinforcing, not even really like the food that they're choosing even though we suggest that being like yeah. one
0: of the tips. Yeah. Um, for saying it cause it's like, obviously yeah. Like that, that spinning component, like that's just fun.
1: It's <laughs> so much fun. Um, but
0: also we say
1: like, we're not just a product. We're also a resource. Our website is just filled with tips and tricks because we want our families to be successful. We want them to feel supported too. Um, because obviously I, I have knowledge of how to support this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the, the spiel for Ate the plate. Uh-
0: what an incredible product! Because I mean, I we have definitely Logan is such a picky eater. When you said bacon and dum-dums, he's newly into bacon. Bacon has only been like the last few months. Uh, dum-dum suckers are always a thing. He yeah. does have, he has more foods than just those two things. But I will say he is an extremely picky eater. So I have like I have a a hard time with the food therapy because to me, I my my thing has always been. We have bigger fish to fry. Yeah, <laughs> that's, always, that's oh, like every time we talk about it, I'm like, I would love for him to eat more. I want him to eat more, but like we have so many other things that we're working on. So it's Definitely. like I want that to feel like, because like especially for him, like he's growing, he's healthy. That's not that's not like an issue for him. So as much as it's like you know, I I would like him to eat better. The idea of like spending you know time in, in therapy, like working on on the food therapy, it always. And I also had a bad experience once. Uh, this was like back when he was in early intervention and his OT was like, why don't we try like a little bit of food therapy? And it just ended with him in a complete meltdown tears, which is like not common for him. Right. Um, and I just literally felt like we were like force feeding him. And I'm like, this feels wrong. This just does not jive with, with how, what I think is right for him. And then so at that point, I was like, I would really like avoid it. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I, I was I aversive. Yeah, exactly. Um, we've been really lucky this year because he, he started kindergarten and his teacher and then one of the aides in the class, like they are there. They love food therapy and they're like, oh, that's like my jam. So they have been working with him a lot. and It's been super helpful. Um, and he's. Really expanded his his repertoire at this point. Um, still working on it. Would still like it to be better, but I love that you like saw a problem and then came up with a solution for it. I just think that that's like so. It's just incredible. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, it's we're nice. really excited about it, only because I once again I just saw that it was so aversive for so many people, even myself as a practitioner. And I find that mealtimes are one of my favorite times of the day, not just because I enjoy food, but also it's a time where you can enjoy just being with family. We ask questions. Yeah. What's the best mm-hmm. part of your day? Mm-hmm. And for so many families, meal times are so tough because their kids are picky. They don't want to eat it. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I think it's like what, 48 to 85% of children on the autism spectrum are considered picky eaters. And like, mm-hmm. that is such a huge percentage of children that oh, struggle uh, with meal times, And I'm like, okay, like we can do something about this that doesn't result in kids crying at the table. Let's mm-hmm. make this fun. Let's gamify mealtime. Let's have them involved in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Research also shows that if children are involved in meal prep, that they are more likely to consume the food. So get mm-hmm. them in the kitchen, help them. There's like knives that, are kid-friendly, have them chopping up the fruits and veggies. They're going to be more likely to eat it anyways if they're the ones ki- uh, chopping it up. Also, guess yeah. what? They're busy during meal prep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Another
1: <laughs> win for you. Give um, them two. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many tips where, you know, you can get them involved. You can get them, you know, reducing that picky eating. Um, so there's just so many ways that you can involve them and get mm-hmm. their their repertoire of food um, expanded and so mm-hmm. I've just kind of kind of jumped on that bandwagon to yeah. to kind of increase that and make mealtimes fun and get hopefully you know reduce that picky eating
0: yeah for so. sure yeah oh well, you obviously have done an amazing job with ate the plate It I mean it's it's such an incredible product um and then you and I were talking before we started but you know April is upon us autism. yes, so you guys have like a special thing you're doing for for that. Do you want to share what you're? yes, so
1: obviously um working with the autism population, it has truly given me a passion in regards to my career, and mm-hmm. so I wanted to do something to give back um and so for the month of April only, we are offering a blue plate. It's called Puzzle Piece Blue. And so a portion of those sales are going back towards an autism foundation. And so you can only buy blue plates during the month of April. So you can find that on our website, www8theplate.com. So if you're interested, mm-hmm. make sure you circle back and buy eight the Plate, uh, the blue color. So we're really
0: excited about this. That is amazing. Cause it's, it's, it's red usually, right?
1: Um, no. So we offer teal, pink and gray. Oh, okay. I don't
0: know why I thought it was red. Well, okay.
1: we, we actually, um, had some red plates. They were like samples from our manufacturer oh, and I was, okay. that was like a special, which we just happened to have those red plates. Um, and I was like, Oh, let's just give those away during Christmas time. But, um, yeah, we have like random, like, but, we actually, okay. like, I was like, this is something I really want to do. And so, like, around, like, February, I said to my husband, I said, we are going to order just a select, like, I think we ordered um, 200 units of the blue. So, like, once they're gone, they're
0: gone. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, act quickly.
1: Yes. <laughs> because I, I, we've already had people being like, okay, well, I'm buying them as soon as April 1st comes. Like, we've already had, like, a couple pre-orders of people that oh. are coming to the website as soon as they go live. They're not even live yet. Okay. So... I
0: love that. I love that you're giving back too. That's incredible. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I feel like I, like I had said beforehand, I was so happy to have someone to just kind of like demystify some of ABA and and the practices and what go into it, because it, it really, it is such an amazing therapy. And like I said, for us, like it has, it has changed our life. It has changed my child's life. And I am forever grateful that we were able to that we we're, were able to access it first of all because there's people yes um so that that to me is just like if i yeah singing aba's praises i'll do that all day long because <laughs> it's amazing so and thank you to you for being so passionate and like i always say like people in this field especially if they don't have children on the spectrum like i just i i'm so thankful for people like you because honestly like you are you're impacting so many lives No, oh, thank you it really, like from the bottom of my heart, it honestly is, it's so incredible to see.
1: Well, thank you. And I, I appreciate you having me on um, yeah. uh, your show. And I just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank so you much. for doing what you're doing.
0: Oh, you're so sweet. Well, you know, we're just doing the best we can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Anissa. Well, thank you so much. All right. Well, have a great day.
1: You too. Bye. All right,
0: bye. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Anissa. I had such a great time talking to her and especially like I was saying kind of at the top of the show talking to somebody who is so familiar with ABA and such an expert and can explain it in such a clear and concise way I think is really valuable. Um I know I'm constantly talking about ABA and even though it happens, you know, pretty much every day, six days a week in my home. It still can be difficult to explain to people because it does encompass so many things. So I was just so, I I loved hearing her perspective on on ABA and obviously ate the plate is so amazing. So definitely scoop up those blue plates for Autism Awareness Month. And again, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to follow me, you can find me on Instagram at at Adventures in Autism Pod on Facebook at Adventures in Autism podcast or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com and once again I just need to say if you are enjoying the podcast please leave reviews on Apple podcast it really does help people to find the show and then one more quick thing I wanted to add if you are local to the Chicagoland area um, I don't know if it's come up before on the podcast but I am in addition to being a mother and podcaster <laughs> I am also an esthetician and makeup artist so the spa that I work at the med spa Lily Aesthetics we are a new med spa that opened in Lombard just a couple of months ago in Lombard, Illinois, um, we are offering a, a special for Autumn Awareness Month. It is the Blue Lily Facial and it is normally $125 and we are offering it for just $55. So it's a great deal. And the best part is we are donating part of the profits to my favorite autism charity, the Autism Hero Project. Um, Tamika, the president, was a guest on, I think it was episode nine. Don't quote me though. (laughs) I probably should have checked that. Um, But Tamika was a a past guest in the episode and her and I have actually gotten really close. She is incredible and I am so inspired by her every day. And the Autism Hero Project is an amazing organization. Every penny that they are raise goes directly to children on the spectrum. They help these kids get medical insurance that will provide them with therapies like ABA or speech therapy or OT or whatever it is that they're needing. Um, So that, I mean, that's just like, there's no words to describe that. So that was why we chose to donate to the autism hero project because they are truly just making, Amazing things happen for for kids on the spectrum. So definitely check that out. I have that tagged on my social media. So again, if you're not following me, go ahead and do that. And if you're local, come see me at Lily aesthetics and get your blue Lily facial. You also are able to purchase this month during April, but then you don't have to necessarily use it this month, you can wait and, and use it later, but at least that way, you know, you're getting the special price. And again, the proceeds will go to autism hero project. So I think that is all for today. Um, again, thank you so much guys for reaching out. I, I've been hearing from so many amazing listeners and every time I do it, just warms my heart. I feel like, especially now more than ever in April, we just need to come together, support each other, raise awareness, awareness. spread that, spread that around, just acceptance, inclusion. These are all things that are just so near and dear to my heart. And I know that everybody listening is on board with that and on the same page. So that is all for now. And until next time, take care.